0: racing cars need racing fuel and race fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend, and it's available in drums at Winton Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower For more details head
1: to racefuels.com.au Mark, wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two
2: parts of the story: as all red flag. This is a suspended uh, race.
1: Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by the Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley and on the line with me is Tony Dalberto. He's just competed in the Great Race at Mount Panorama, and he's finally on his way home, having spent more than a month out and about in Darwin, in Brisbane. At Bathurst. Tony, how are you feeling?
0: Mate, uh, I'd be lying if I said I was uh, fresh as a daisy. (laughs) Uh, Didn't have too many beers last night, but we did have a couple. Uh, But just, yeah, naturally tired, I guess, from from the weekend. It's a pretty big day, I guess. Going into the race with no race miles under under my belt at all. It was tricky, you know, there's no doubt about it. But uh, it was so good, Grant, to be at a racetrack. Um, and and just to be back with everyone that we work with constantly um, was just awesome. You know, it was really, really cool. It, it actually felt like I'd never left. Like, you know how at the moment you think, oh, I haven't been on racetrack forever. But when you walk through the gate and you're at a racetrack and you see familiar faces, it's like, this is home. I'm back.
1: Back in the zone.
0: So it, it was really, really cool to be back and, and just you know getting out on circuit you know grabbing gears the sounds the smells all that stuff was was amazing so uh yeah had a very good weekend
1: great yep it was uh certainly interesting from the uh from the couch a very very good race not a absolute classic you know all time great Bathurst 1000 yep. but still very yep. very interesting Um, Let me just tick off these uh, usual questions that we ask in 2020. What was the vibe like at the circuit? Certainly was missing, you know, all the fans making the noise and waving flags and doing all those things that we have been accustomed to over the years. None of that. What was the vibe? Uh,
0: The the vibe was obviously very different uh, from a driver's point of view. uh, You know, you missed all the flags across the top of the mountain. You might see like the odd photographer up there and that was about it. Uh, but as far as like doing your job over the weekend, it, it didn't feel that different. Like when you're in a session, it, it was still, you were you were chasing the clock, so to speak, and um, talking with the engineer about the car and what you needed. So from that point of view, there was really no difference. It was just like in between sessions, it was fairly quiet, you know, you, people weren't asking for an autograph or you're getting photos and you didn't have media appearances and things like that. It was just basically talking about strategy and what you wanted from the car and, um, you know, when were we in the car next, all that that sort of stuff. So it it just cut out some of that noise, but really there was no vibe, really. There was no – with the crowd, even with the crowd uh, on the front straight there, you know, you, you didn't really hear their reaction because there's not many people there. So, um, even at the podium, it was almost like a like a club day at a go kart meeting when they were giving out the trophies at the end of the day. Like, there was really just a few people clapping. There just there wasn't that sort of, you know, what you'd normally get at a Bathurst 1000 where the crowd's going absolutely nuts and they're booing and they're cheering, all that cool stuff. You just, we missed all that
1: atmosphere oh it'll it will come back it will come back at some stage soon hopefully sooner rather than later of course we've got some uh, restrictions being lifted down here in melbourne so um so you've come back just at the right time we still um, yeah really can't go over to each other's house or anything just yet yeah but, uh, still um there, there is some positive signs and the case numbers for all this Covid crap that we've been dealing with is um, starting to come down. So uh, Australia, Melbourne yeah, has yeah. done a really good job, and hopefully, some sort of normality can resume soon.
0: I think it has to. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to see just travel for a month, um, you know, to Darwin and then Brisbane and to Sydney, and honestly, it's like a different world down here in Victoria. Um, outside of here. Yes, they're taking them. They're, they're taking precautions um, for COVID, but they haven't stopped. Whereas, as soon as I got in the flight to come home today, um, we've got masks being handed back out, and it's you know it's like you've been been a bad boy again. So I, I just can't see how it can go on like that forever. We really do need just to get on with things and start learning to live with with this uh, COVID that we've got and you know i think other states are doing a very good job of that so i don't see why victoria
1: can't yep no it's uh, it's all going to come come together soon enough and uh hopefully get uh even more motor racing happening might even get that old little honda civic of yours the uh tcr oh, car out there settle down on.
0: settle down mate come on so that'd be amazing though
1: so yes, yeah, so um, so Shane van Gisbergen and, and Garth Tander took the win yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about your race shortly, but for for those guys, Shane ticking off his first ever Mount Panorama victory, uh, and and Garth his fourth. They just control after that wet weather period. They controlled the race. They led every lap bar one after that uh, wet weather period, around about lap 56. So um, mm-hmm. he certainly, uh, Shane certainly stamped his claim on the race and uh, on, on the ultimate prize.
0: Yeah, definitely. Those guys were fast all week, and Garth is obviously a very fast co-driver as well. Um, it was interesting, though, that wet period. A few drivers, including Fabian as well, managed to get on a set of tyres, a little bit earlier than others so we we saw the incident happen and pitted straight away and we actually got probably two laps worth of heat in our tires and then once the safety car uh lifted and obviously the, the rain during that period we were able just to drive around people just like Shane was and just that extra temp in the tire made a huge difference and, and everybody else that hadn't got that temp were just sort of sitting ducks so um, there wasn't a lot in it, but there was enough just to give it us an advantage and, and make those positions. That certainly set up our race as well. But, yep, good, really good for uh, for Shane. They were sort of never in doubt at the end of the race there, really. I think Shane controlled the race. Um, and really, unless Cam went for a big dive, he wasn't going to get the job done. You so much aero wash with the cars across the top of the mountain. You, you sort of can't get close enough. And if you do get close enough... Within two or three laps, your tyres are absolutely cactus, they're overheated, um, and you end up falling back anyway, even if you've got a quicker quicker car. So there's so much time in being that lead car, and it ends up just being uh, a case of who, who's got track position more than anything. So very good win, and it's a bit of a fairy tale, isn't it? You know, Holden's last Bathurst 1000, uh, supporting the factory team, winning the race, you know, it's it all sort of... Happened in almost a fairytale way, so um, yeah, they were, were deserving winners. But uh, I felt like Cam Waters did an amazing job over the weekend. Um, very very good lap in, in the shootout. Like that was incredible. Put everything on the line. Took a big risk, um, but it paid off. So, but I think Cam Waters next year is going to be one of those boys to beat for the championship.
1: Yeah, you would like to. I'd like to see the odds for him for a uh, for a championship win at, at this point. You know, with the. Strong likelihood that, uh, that Scott McLaughlin won't be in the series full-time. You would can imagine that, uh, that Cam is going to be one of the drivers to beat, but um, a lot to play out in the, in the silly season. Uh, later on in this episode, we're going to talk to Robert Van Gisbergen, the big cheese, uh, and cover a little bit about what this win means to, uh, to his family. Uh, of course, Robert's played a huge role in Shane's career over the years, and was watching uh, watching on from from back home in New Zealand. Usually, you'd always see him at the uh, at the track, but um, not the case this year with all of the restrictions. So, uh, looking forward to hearing what uh, what Robert has to say about his son's uh, great race win.
0: I think on the uh, just to cut you off there, just on the weekend, I reckon there was like two or three dads. Uh, floating around in the, in the V eight paddock, there we had Gil Slade, yeah. uh, we had Eddie Mostert, uh, and we had Nick Perkett's old man as well. So and Mum Jodie. So that was um, yeah, it was quite strange. It's not generally you got the the fathers and some family hanging around out the back of the garage, but there was literally uh, none out there. So I know my dad would have come for sure if he didn't have to quarantine after
1: yeah yep um actually there was a uh, there was scott mclaughlin was doing a uh, live facebook thing for the shell v power facebook page and um he went for a walk around the, the garages this was on like friday or, or saturday and it was just absolutely bare and he'd walk from the truck <coughs> into the into the garage and um I got a, a there was a sneaky shot of you talking to Stefan Bartholomew from supercars.com. Um, trying to get the
0: goss mate
1: That's right but um you know usually you just would not be able to see um, nah. you know we, we wouldn't be able to see anything through the sea of fans out the back yep. of the paddock between sessions so um, Yeah yeah it was uh, it was odd all around but uh, I guess 2020 is just odd anyway so odd. <laughs> uh, we're just gonna move move on from this year as uh, as quickly as we can so just uh, let, let's talk about um, your race just a little bit more um yep. you started you made yep. oh, it it looked like you actually made a reasonable initial launch but um then the car sort of skated sideways and you lost <laughs> a couple of positions what happened <laughs>
0: Yeah, I didn't get a great start. Uh, The commentators actually reckon that I was the one that uh, brought the flag out because they thought, the officials thought someone had stalled, but that was actually the car in front of me. So I had Caruso just in front of me and the lights went out and I've launched and I thought, shit, Michael stalled. So I've I've gone to go around him, but he didn't stall. He just got a slow getaway. And as soon as I turned to go around him, I just broke into a heap of wheel spins. And, yeah, I got done by two or three cars. So it was a tardy start. Not surprisingly, though, to be honest, Grant, because I haven't done a start all year.
1: Well, you were getting and you were getting some big raves from uh, Neil Crompton and Mark Scaife, the lead I, commentators, I about your practice start that you did on Saturday. You made a... I uh, fluked it, mate. Absolutely <laughs> fluked it.
0: I don't know how I did it, but it, yeah, that, that was actually, like, a really nice getaway. No wheel spin, nothing. Things just launched. I thought... Oh, perfect. We'll be right tomorrow, no dramas. Um, but I think the fact that I thought Michael had stalled and I just, you know, flinched to go to the right to get around him. I just let the clutch out too quick and uh yeah, broke into some wheel spin. But the most exciting part of my first lap was when Will Brown oh, tried me. to bump draft me down Conrad to get around Den Fiore yep. and Basically, must have taken away the rear uh, or the air going to the rear wing installed the rear wing. And then I've gone through the chase, full noise, and just had a massive – well, in the car, it felt like a massive moment. And I thought, hell, it's the first lap of the race. Settle down, people. <laughs> <laughs> that was a <laughs> so, big moment. Managed, to, yeah, managed to pull it up and then try and calm things down a little bit for the rest of that stint. Opening stint was a bit of a tough one. I don't think we had um, – had a bit too much air in the tyres and she was a bit skaty. But then from there, we, we took quite a bit of pressure out and the actual balance was was fairly decent. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but um, yeah, the pace was actually fairly strong. And once we got ourselves back into contention after that little wet weather period there, uh, the next in, I, I sat behind Slady and, and Will. And had pretty decent pace. Um, I, was, I was quite happy with that one. I made a little error down the chase on one of the laps, just like the rears. But besides that, it made it really made no difference because at the end of that stop, uh, end of that stint, I should say, we had to uh, double stack behind Scott or well, car 17. So that that really hurt us because we had an 18 second gap to Warren Luff. And then after that safety car period, um, well, after that pit stop, I should say, we were behind Luffy and that's where we ended up. So it's a bit of a shame, like what I said before, about how you really need a track position. I think if we had have got ahead of Luffy, you know, they Chaz wouldn't have been able to overcome Fab's, I don't think, just on pure pace, because so difficult uh, actually following cars. So unfortunately, that's the way it played out. We, we sort of had fuel in hand over... Our teammates we were sort of jostling up and down for position, but ultimately, we knew uh, by the end of the race we were going to overcome them in the last stint as long as we stayed near them, and that's what ended up happening. So, it's a strange one because you know, as a team, we finished fourth and fifth and wrapped up the um, team's championship, which was the goal, but no one was really celebrating yesterday, it wasn't what we went there for, and uh, you can't help but feel just a little bit disappointed that we didn't make the podium. That's what we wanted, and I really thought midway through the race that it was on uh, for a podium. Not sure about a win, but definitely on for a podium.
1: Yeah, well, I certainly all of my family sitting at home were uh, were rooting for you, <laughs> and uh, it just didn't work out. But uh, fourth place is no mean feat uh, at Mount Panorama. There was some uh, there was some good crow driver battles uh, out there, and the one guy I'd like, obviously Garth. He wins the race, he gets the big trophy, and he's now a four-time winner. So congratulations to him. But the one who really stood out was Warren Laugh. Um, six podiums in the last nine years. The guy is a freak.
0: He is a freak. I was texting him right near the end of the race, and I'm like, you're an absolute guru. You've got the the Midas touch, seriously. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who he's driving with. Somehow he... Manages to pop up in the race, but he's just such a safe pair of hands. Like the guy hasn't driven all year and he like topped one of the co driver sessions. Like he he just does a really good job and suits that role. So, well, we spoke about in the last episode about what a co driver's role is. And uh, Warren Luff is probably one of the number one co drivers in the country. You know, for someone that hasn't driven full time for a very long time. Um, year after year, he comes back and delivers. So I, I, I love that he he managed to get himself another podium um, because it's often seen that you need to have just come out of full time driving to be competitive as a co driver. Just shows that you know the right person, the right car can still get the job done.
1: Well, he, uh, he certainly got that and is uh, just racking up those Bathurst podiums. And um, for a guy who spends all of his days in cars but you know mm. driving sideways and doing crazy things in at, at stunt shows at uh at, on movie world on the gold coast um he it's amazing that he turns into the the safest pair of hands come the biggest motor race uh <laughs> of the year i guess uh, bathurst always has those uh those sad stories and the uh, and the hard luck stories there was certainly mm-hmm. some some Hard luck going on at Brad Jones Racing, Um, a real difficult day for those guys with um, a couple of incidents and their cars taking each other out and flapping doors in the opening laps for Macaulay Jones. That
0: that Macaulay Jones car had a door come open in every single session. Every session there's a door coming open. I don't know what was going on with that door.
1: How did they get to Sunday? Next week. How did they get to Sunday and not have figured
0: that out? And not fix it. I think we should speak to Brad next week about that because <laughs> it, it was just so weird. Every time I come out of the cutting, and there'd be a door hanging open. They had a tough day. I mean, they had cars running into each other, which is obviously a no-no in a, in a team environment like that. Jordan Boys found the wall, exit the last corner, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, Jack Smith was in the wars. Nick Perkat, you know, they did a fantastic job in quality. And then, you know, to be disqualified for two kilos, and you know, sometimes you, you do wonder whether those scales are completely accurate all the time. And then, you know, obviously have power steering problems in the race, so they just had an absolute shocker, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, they uh, they certainly did have a shocker. There were a uh, there were a couple of other um, reasonable results uh, worth talking about team 18 did did pretty good with Pi and fiore finishing in sixth and winterbottom golding finishing eighth that's um the and i think actually Pi jumped ahead of winterbottom in the final championship standings as well oh, so really you can imagine that those two cars next year are going to be f- um you know pushing and fighting even further up the field, can they launch from sort of that underdog status that they have now to be one of the genuine fighters uh, for the front spots?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've had a very good year. Um, I think what would be impressive is if they can repeat that for next year. You know, to say they're going to suddenly become a massive contender, you know, week in, week out, who knows? I mean, they've obviously learned a lot this year, and I think it's great continuity having Frosty back, um, signed up for another two years, and I'm sure they're probably going to do the same with Scott. So that, that's a good thing. I think mean, that continuity is key in a team environment. And it's been a bloody good year for those guys to have two drives in the top 10, two drivers in the championship, and also in, in at Bathurst. Um, shows that they've come a long way. They didn't really show a lot of speed all week, though. Um, but for whatever reason, in the race, they had very good cars and uh, managed to you know come through the field even you know, Frosty and Golding there, they had problems at the start of the race and still managed to claw their way back and, and, and finish in the top 10. So it was a very strong day for those guys and a, and a really good year for Team 18.
1: Yep, a good year for them. A great day for Triple Eight and Holden Racing Team uh, winning the race, but very, very bad day for their other car, the Triple Eight entry of Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes, unfortunately. For Jamie, he uh, got tripped up a little bit when passing uh, Brody Kostecki at uh, Griffin's Bend, and uh, on the way up to the cutting, he uh, got a little loose in the uh, in the dirty stuff and and found the wall. It's this is a guy who has won this race four times in in Jamie Winkup. and and uh, but I guess those those mistakes we kind of just see creep into his game at. At Bathurst, and um, it's 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 a real shame because you know he's won the race four times, so he knows how mm. to do it, mm. and uh, that was uh, you know a bit of a red face moment for him.
0: Yeah, but it, it does show how difficult it is that race. I mean, he was trying to do the right thing by Brody, giving him a little, little bit of room, and he just got himself offline. And uh, once you're you know a foot offline there in in the marbles, you know he he had no control over the car and into the fence, I mean, that's Bathurst. Like, that that just happens uh, to the best of them. And Jamie is one of the best in the category. There's no doubt about that. He'll, he'll never die uh, wondering, I guess. Every, every lap he did in uh, qualifying, I mean, the shootout, he was loose, like, on the ragged edge of just making the corner or going off track. And we saw that a lot from him over the weekend. And to me, that really just highlights that, probably the car wasn't amazing for him. You know, they're probably trying to run not a lot of wing to get straight line speed and just makes the car quite unstable through, you know, across the top of the mountain and under brakes and things like that. So for, for that incident there, I, I thought Brody was was in the mix a lot during the day of just being a little bit difficult um, when cars are trying to get around him. And, you know, Jamie was probably just a bit kind to him. He'd actually cleared Brody. But, um, you know, being in the car, he probably can't actually see if he had fully um, cleared him. Mm. And we you know, obviously know the, the incident that Murph and Ambrose had many years ago. And it could have easily have been something like that. And uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't work out for Jamie. But he is one of the best guys in the business. And it just shows how tough that track is
1: all right well it was a big day it was another great race uh, one that i certainly missed being at hopefully we can uh, fix that up soon might not be too long until we get to go to bathurst uh, next let's uh, dive into our news segment which is powered by motorsportwebsites.com.au and dig into a couple of the uh, news yarns that popped up over the weekend this is the news of course Bathurst always brings some big news stories whether they're on track or off track this is the sports time to shine Uh, so uh, every team the the category itself everyone's putting out a lot of big significant news stories we saw three drivers confirmed to uh, retain their spots over the weekend with Bryce Fullwood, Mark Winterbottom, and James Courtney, all confirming that they will stick with their respective teams and uh, continue in the Supercars Championship for next year. But the most significant news that we want to talk about here in our news section, powered by motorsportwebsites.com.au. They're the motorsport branding experts, a one-stop shop for all things motorsport. Uh, They even do things like team uniforms, custom race gear, and of course bespoke websites so they power you to the front they know their motorsport they know the, the business of uh, building websites and they're the guys to speak to if you need your online presence all tuned up motorsportwebsites.com.au the most significant news tony at mount panorama was the confirmation of the or some base guidelines about what the new gen 3 look of the cars are going to look like in 2022 that's uh it's still a little way off but the return of a mustang that uh it's really going to look like a mustang but also the camaro both of these two brands have significant history in australian touring car racing uh, and at bathurst so great that Uh, the General Motors will still be represented and retain all of that interest um, of the thousands and thousands of Holden fans across Australia.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's fantastic for supercars to announce that Gen 3 is pushing ahead. Cool to see some of the little renders of the car. Not a lot of error on these cars, so I can see where they're going with that. They want the thing to be moving around and maybe a little bit harder to drive uh, than what we currently have. Uh, but very exciting, you know, Camaro back, looks awesome. The Mustang will look awesome as well. And you got to remember that Mustang was built on the current sort of chassis platform that they were using for a four-door car, and now it's going to be built on a two-door car. So that's going to uh, make the car look a lot more like the road-going vehicle. So very exciting. I think uh, it's great. You've got to have that rivalry between brands, whether it's a Ford, Kia, whoever, Someone, they've got to have teams to barry for. So it's interesting that walkshaw Racing hasn't yet confirmed Camaro, um, but Triple Eight have. So very much looking forward to that era. And, uh, you know, I think next year, the, everything will be sort of status quo and, and hopefully teams can get through this COVID period well and come out the other side and, and start building these Gen 3 cars.
1: Yeah so how much time do you think the teams will need to you know start putting it together I know when we went uh Car of the Future they were given a significant amount of time to get it all ready but the yeah, it all ended up being pretty last minute as well at the time I I was working for the uh, Nissan Motorsport team and they're effectively still strapping those things together before, just before they went out for uh, first test days. So, um, mm-hmm. what what uh, what do you think that timeline would, will look like?
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. It depends on what they're going to do with gearboxes, um, uprights, you know, some of the mechanical items on the car. Are they going to carry over a lot of stuff that they currently have, or is it just going to be basically a chassis and and uh, the look of the car, the bodywork? until some of, some of those details sort of get finalised, I'm unsure. But, yeah, with Car of the Future, they had cars on track, testing for probably eight months prior to uh, actually racing the cars. So uh, I think you'll find, you know, a AAA or a DR Team Penske will take on that that role of maligating the cars and building car to actually start getting some aero testing and, as far as I know, they're going to retain the V8 motor, uh, which I think is so important for the category. The fans love the sound of it. It's what the category's been built on. So I think it's super important for them to have the V8 in, in both the cars there. So, you know, and, and until we sort of know some of the final detail, I'm unsure what the process is, but I know supercars are obviously already building a car to, to start their testing and development um, for 2022 because I think it is quite going to be quite a long process
1: Now, the other significant piece of news over the weekend was uh, some level of confirmation about what the supercars calendar is going to look like. Uh, The one thing we absolutely know for sure is the 2021 Bathurst 12-hour won't be run next year. It'll return, assuming that we can remain COVID-free and COVID-safe. 2022 will be the next time that the Bathurst 12-hour Uh, pops up onto our calendar and back into our worlds. That's an event I know that you love going to and you've been to for uh, many, many years. It's um, a little bit of a shame that that can't go ahead next year.
0: Absolutely. It's one of the best events of the year. I love doing the 12-hour event. Uh, I've done the last couple of years with Adrian Dietz and Cameron Conville in the Lamborghini. And it's just a great start to the year. It's super competitive, one of the best tracks in the world. In the best rate in some of the best race cars as well, so that is a real shame. But, um, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, teams aren't going to be able to travel from overseas to do the event, and uh, yeah, I think it's the right call to, to bone it now and, and try and come up with a plan surrounding what supercars are going to do for their calendar. Now, they have said that they're going to start in New South Wales, but does that mean Bathurst or does that mean Eastern Creek?
1: yeah i think uh reading between the lines it definitely means bathurst that they're uh, talking about uh some sort of uh longer distance style race you know maybe a 500 kilometer sort of thing and that looks almost certain to kick off the the championship two rounds at bathurst obviously the 1000 which will always holds a special place in everyone's heart but uh, a, a sprint race up there as well how do you think that'll go
0: Well, there wasn't a lot of passing on the weekend, so uh, I'm unsure. You know, that that race is... Bathurst 1000 is amazing because of the strategy that plays into it. And, you know, if they're going to do a 500k race all in one go, which I'm not sure if that's the case or that they'll break it up into 250s, you know, strategy will come into place a little bit. So it's not really a sprint round, so to speak. I know it's not classed as an enduro, but it's still a very long distance. But yeah, you know, regardless, going to Bathurst for the second time, you won't get any driver in the category complaining about starting the championship at Bathurst.
1: Yep. yep, yep. It's a it's a special place. They've done sprint races uh, there in the past, so not completely unprecedented uh, territory. Um, but, uh, yeah, like if they did do a 200 or 250 K race, then yeah, it's a little bit longer. What do you expect? Two pit stops for, yeah. for, uh, for that. So you're right. A little bit of strategy, but you know, we saw how close, how competitive these guys were at the, uh, even just at the end of the race, Shane said his fastest yeah. lap on the second last lap of a 161 lap race. So yeah. they're going pretty hard there at the end of a thousand Ks. Um, they can be potentially going even faster at the end of a, of a 200 or 250K race. So, and it just showed how hard it is for them to pass. So, um, yeah,
0: I think uh, one of the big differences uh, with that race being the end of February uh, will be just the heat. The heat in that race will be intense. You know, generally, when we race down in the 1,000, it's actually not that warm. Um, But then to go there, so early in the year, uh, you're 30 plus at least. um, That's going to be a a bit of a game changer for everyone that's driven supercars around Bathurst. Um, The cars will react a little bit different and uh, drivers will have uh, no uh, seat mileage going into that race. So it might be a little bit trickier than uh, actually doing the 1,000 and sharing that with another driver because it will just have no match fitness and, and going into such a hot event Um, is going to be a bit brutal on the drivers.
1: And the other news uh, that we had between uh, the the last time that we spoke, Tony, was the uh, effective cancellation of the Bathurst International event that was meant to be run uh, next month in the very first Bathurst International run by the Australian Racing Group. Um, Again, it was just uh, because of COVID, far too difficult to get uh, teams across borders and... Um, and just do the simple things that we've taken for granted for, for many, many years, certainly all of our lifetime. Yeah, so I guess that's a, that's a bit of a shame, and, and personally just for yourself, a shame that you don't get to race another race at Mount Panorama, even though it was going to be in a different style car.
0: Yeah, it is a real shame. I and mean, that We're all looking forward to the Bathurst International, and I, I still am looking forward to it for next year. I think that event is going to be a really cool event going forward. You know, the categories have got lined up, Uh, I think the TCR cars will be quite spectacular around there, the S5000 cars as well. So it's a shame, but, again, I'm not surprised. It it sort of just needed to happen for this year, I think, Uh, to try and think that we're going to get there was was ambitious. I mean, I've just been a month away to do one event, and, you know, not many people can justify doing that. So let's hope next year is better. We can uh, hit the ground running, You, you know, with the championship and you know, we'll see there is a little bit of talk about maybe doing some races later in the year but whether or not, whether or not that happens we're just unsure just yet
1: yeah well it won't be too long until we get to uh, see yourself and your Honda and, uh, and all the other TCR cars and S5000 and everything that's under the Australian Racing Group Compete. Um, okay, that's effectively the big news stories of the week. Then another Bathurst 1000 under our belt. Um, so we thought, like, who should we talk to for uh, on this episode of the podcast? And uh, I guess we've heard a lot from Shane and Garth in the um, in the hours and days after the. One thousand win themselves, so we thought we'd uh, tackle the big cheese, uh, Robert Van Gisbergen. He's been he's been a um, a big part of Shane's career over the years. Uh, always seen in the in the background uh, at at events, and uh, he actually um, helps with the management of his career as well. Um, not just from a, a driving point of view, but also from a management and career point of view as well. He's always found himself in, uh, in, in amongst the, the best teams and in the right seats. He's played a, a huge role in the development of Shane's career and now he has ticked off the Bathurst 1000, probably the only major trophy that wasn't in his cabinet. Let's catch up with Robert right now. On parked up. So Robert, thanks for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Your son has won everything worth winning in Australian motorsport, and now he completes the set with a Bathurst one thousand title to his name. How proud are you and your family of his result?
2: Oh, absolutely! I couldn't, couldn't. Uh, you know, I'm just so, so pleased he's finally won it. Um, you know, he's had a few cracks of it and he's been bridesmaid a few times but uh, I, I knew he was going to win one one day but unfortunately I wasn't there to uh, witness it but uh, I was glued to a TV at home but
1: um, hey so, yeah, not the uh, not the usual Bathurst that we're accustomed to so uh, yeah so you watched the race at home who did you watch it with who was there to uh, support oh, you through it
2: oh I uh, I uh, 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 Strange personal sponsors, uh, New Zealand ones. Uh, they turned up, and some very good friends of mine who who uh, who follow and and, lo- and love watching Shane. You know, it was a it had a pretty good turnout here, so
1: uh, it was cool. And, cool. and a couple of uh, a couple of beers uh, after the after the race.
2: Yeah, we had a few shandies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: it was good. <laughs> uh, you've always been a prominent figure at his racing. How much did you miss not being at Mount Panorama?
2: Oh, look, I just um, – oh, this is the first passage for a while I haven't been there. And, um, yeah, a bit disappointing not going there, but um, uh, I'm not the only one that was disappointed. There's lots of people that didn't go or couldn't go, should I say.
1: Yep. It was an odd one. Um, it, earlier in the weekend, it looked like those two Mustangs of uh, Cam Waters and, and certainly Scotty McLaughlin were going to be the cars to beat. But as soon as that sprinkle of rain came down, he was able to take the lead and led every lap, bar one, after lap 56. Um, at what point of the race were you feeling most nervous and tense? Um,
2: I'm not sure, really. Probably from start... Start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm tense from the word go. So, um, yeah, but I, 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 once he got in front, though, I, I felt comfortable. I yep. uh, just knew that he, he's very good at controlling the race, and he did he did control it very well. So I'm quite proud of him, what he did. Yeah, not, it's like... not an easy thing to do, lead from the front. When you're under pressure as well, because Cam Cam was very fast, extremely fast.
1: He certainly, uh, he certainly did you all very proud. You've you've played more yes. than a uh, father figure role for Shane through his journey, and he's always been unbelievably fast. You know, natural ability behind the wheel of a race car. Earlier in his career, there were some small errors that would cost him from time to time, but those have been. Erased, uh, it seems. Um, how much of a role did you play in that no mistakes mantra?
2: Um, we've, we've learned earlier on, you know, like Shane's won plenty of championships before he got to, um, to supercars. And even back then, it was a thing about no mistakes. And, um, um, you know, we just, in supercars, you just, you just can't make one mistake you, you, you've lost the race. And whereas in a lot of other categories, you can get away with the odd one and still come through. But in this category, there's just every driver's been a champion in something, some form of motorsport. So you cannot make a mistake. And uh, he's, he's, he's learned that a long time ago.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, incredibly proud to, to see him uh you know just uh mature and and flourish and you know become to to just add add this race which i, I guess was just that that one event that was missing off the off his resume <laughs> it's,
2: it's the only one he hasn't been able to win <laughs> but um yeah and some hey, a, a lot of occasions on um, some occasions it is his fault, you know, or, or team's fault. But um, uh, um, it's certainly not for lack of trying, that's for sure. It's uh, nothing like winning Bathurst. Well, I don't know. I've never, I've never won it before, but, man, I'll tell you, it's a great feeling. Having your boy win Bathurst. Real great feeling.
1: Can only imagine. So what's next? Um, does Shane come home uh, yep. in the next couple of months or certainly for Christmas?
2: Uh, he's flying home tomorrow.
1: Great. Does he get to bring the trophy with him to show it off to his uh, to the fa- family uh, and friends over
2: there? I don't think it will be pretty hard to get that trophy off Roland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll we'll certainly um, uh, we'll have a, a replica made or something. Or we'll, yeah, we'll
1: it's, it's certainly gonna
2: we'll we'll have that Peter Brock trophy replicas I don't know, on the shelf here somewhere, for sure.
1: And we thank Robert for his time on the Parked Up podcast, powered by Race Fuels. Uh, and he sounds like a pretty proud dad, Tony.
0: He sounds a little croaky, to be honest. Uh, if I know the Van Gisbergens, I reckon he would have had a few more than just a couple last night to celebrating. Good on him. His son's just won the biggest race in Australian motorsport with the Bathurst 1000. Um, I'm sure he's got a bit of a hangover and I reckon Shane would have one as well and that whole team. So amazing achievement by those guys. I feel as though Shane's been on the verge for for quite a few years now to win that race. Um, It just shows how difficult it actually is to do. So, uh, yeah, they'll be lapping it up and celebrating uh, all the way up to Christmas, I bet.
1: I reckon. I reckon so. Actually, um, uh, the one thing he said in there was that he's going to get a, a replica Peter Brock trophy created. I know you've um, been involved with teams where you've won races or had trophies um, and you don't get to keep them yourself, but you can purchase uh, the replica. I'd imagine that that Peter Brock trophy replica would be one of the most expensive replicas that <laughs> that you'd you know you'd have to buy.
0: Yeah, i got a replica of our third place at Bathurst, which is actually made by a friend of mine, um, Cookie. He does the trophies uh, for Bathurst, but he doesn't do the Peter Brock trophy. And that was about $3,000, I think, just to get that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously a big achievement for the family. And uh, you want to get that trophy and have it in your cabinet forever and look back on it with fond memories. So whatever it costs, I think they'll – um, purchase the trophy. I'm sure Shane got a good little bonus after winning Bathurst for Roland <laughs> as well, so he might chip in as well.
1: Any bonuses for fourth place?
0: Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not, mate. That's a one. basically the first thing I said to Fab's Spill and I can't put an invoice in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when do you start talking? I know all co-drivers will now be... Uh you know, on the phones and sending emails and, uh, and very <laughs> polite text messages to various mm. team owners, whether they were with them or, or, or not with them. When do you start thinking about that?
0: Yeah, ASAP, I guess. Um, there's a bit of uncertainty, I guess, around what Penske are doing. Um, we haven't been told anything just yet. So uh, we're just sort of waiting to hear what the direction of the team is and, and how all that looks. And we, like we literally haven't been told a thing so hopefully we find out soon and we can start to discuss some of the finer detail about next year and whether we're in the picture or not um, I'd certainly love to be, there's no doubt about that I love driving for the team um, but if there isn't a position then then that's cool as well and we'll we look for another opportunity uh, I feel as though we, we've done a done a pretty good job this year considering the circumstances and I'd love to continue being in that co-driver role and think I can you know, offer quite a bit, especially with the experience I have on board now. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely those text messages go out. Oh, thanks for having me again, and I really love it. And <laughs> just buttering them up, uh, and and just you know putting your hand up and reminding them that you're here. But I think there's there's going to be a lot of change, uh, not only in co-driver land, but um, in the main main driver main drivers as well, because you know we've got. We don't know what Scott McLaughlin's doing just yet. Uh, we don't know what Anton Pasquale is doing. You know, there's Will Davidson hanging around. There's there's all these names and, and positions to get filled, and and uh, I suppose announcements to be made. But I think once one or two start to fall, then it'll all start to fall into place.
1: Yeah, I think the Scott McLaughlin confirmation that he won't be here, which seems like the most obvious thing, but, um, I guess stranger things have happened once, uh, once that card falls, uh, everything else will fall around it. And, uh, and even, even some co-drives, uh, particularly Mm. at that team, um, Mm. will be affected by that as well. So a little bit of weight. Potentially.
0: Potentially. I mean, like honestly, at the moment, um, like, Scott hasn't given us any indication whatsoever. He's um, he's obviously going over to do the race uh, in St. Pete this weekend, which I'm looking forward to watching. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, he hasn't let on all the team at all um, about what's going on next year and potentially doesn't know himself. So that's what I mean. There's a, there's a few things to happen just yet before uh, everyone knows where they sit and, uh, you know, even Fab's. Is in the same boat. He's he's sort of waiting to get a bit of a confirmation or or what for next year. We did we just don't know just yet. So we have to sit tight for for a few weeks. I think.
1: There we go, there we go. That is it. Another great race done. Now before we leave you today on this episode of Parked Up, as Tony puts the indicator on, no doubt turning into somewhere <laughs> close to somewhere close to home. Are you excited to get home? Almost
0: home. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) The
1: family, we start uh, to say.
0: Young Huey, our youngest, has grown about double the size since I've been away. It looks that way anyway. Um, Look, to be honest, I've only been away for a month, and I I can't imagine what it was like for the Victorian teams to be away for the time that they have been away. Super difficult for their partners um, back at home holding up the fort. You know, like a hundred and something days to be away from family is a massive sacrifice. So, they're the heroes in in supercar land. Like the the Queensland teams got to go home in between, and you know they had a bit of time away, but nothing like the Victorian team. So they'll be absolutely desperate to get back to family and have a bit of time off. I think.
1: I do. Uh, I do feel for the Victorian teams who did have to scamper pretty quick. Mm. They only got left a couple of hours. Now uh, we do talk about uh, you know missing they're missing their families or whatever, there are a lot of young guys in, uh, in that travelling crew as well. So some of them wouldn't even have, uh, they wouldn't have a, a girlfriend or they might not have a wife or kids mm. or anything like that. So if they've had mm-hmm. to do that desperate dash, when they get home tonight or tomorrow or, or, or whenever they get home, I, I, I hope they didn't leave the milk out or uh, leave anything <laughs> rotten in the, in the garbage Aww. bin because it could smell quite a bit.
0: Can you imagine? And I, I think some of those young guys, they, they probably wouldn't uh, have thought about that sort of thing. You know, like they just pack their stuff and go. And uh, you know, if they don't have a housemate to um, look after the house while they're away, there could be some smelly fridges uh, <laughs> with some rotten milk and all that sort of stuff, and and some things growing in there as well. Uh, just be an absolute mess, I reckon.
1: Right. Um, before we go, that you've given me a, that's given me a bad scent in my, um, in my <laughs> senses. It's uh, that's no good. Uh, before we go, I need to uh, give a quick update on my health kick that uh, you set me on the journey a couple of weeks ago with our great friends at Reaction Performance and Lee Stamation has been. Continuingly calling me and messaging me and ensuring that I'm remaining on the uh, on the right path to getting rid of the COVID rig that I've um, that I've formed over the over the break, and I'm pleased to confirm that it's uh, yes. it seems to be going seems to be going oh, pretty good.
0: Do we I had do a, we have an update on weight
1: now? I, well, yeah, I, I've put on uh, zero and gained zero, so. That's uh, that's important. But I do feel better. I actually don't feel terrific at the moment because, uh, you know, typically for a Bathurst 1000, I'd be in the paddock, <laughs> yeah, the in weekend. the media centre or whatever. Yeah, you're right. There was um, yeah. there was yeah. a birthday to celebrate no, earlier Lee, in the week. Lee
0: did ring me. He did ring me and mention all this. So all I've right. already got the heads up. He, he, look, he let you off the hook because it was Bathurst weekend. Yep. but he said he's going to punish you this week to get <laughs> you back into shape. But uh, he, he has been very happy with how you've uh, you've started the program, you've really taken it on board and um, given it everything you can. So, uh, I hope you've been enjoying it because I've been catching up on a few of the Zoom sessions and been going pretty good, mate. Yeah, pretty yeah. good.
1: I'm enjoying it, I like it, I like it, and uh, yeah, Lee and the reaction performance team are just very, very encouraging and they just get you going and, um, and uh, yeah, just a few little pointers and not necessarily this is how you need to do push-ups or this is how you need to do this particular exercise. It's it's about um, the encouragement to stay on track and um, to yep. make, make better food choices and even come up with food plans as well. Of course, the eating component is... Um, for anyone who's tried to lose weight who has lost weight or who can't seem to to do it um we all know that the eating stuff is uh, is is vital. So um, that's something that Lee has been um, extremely good with. I didn't realise that that was sort of part of his program and um, and and very very beneficial. So uh, can't be happier at uh, at this point, but um, still a way to go as well. And I see on today's uh, regime, I'm meant to do uh, 30 minutes of cardio. So. I'm uh, yeah, Well, I'm wondering how I can do that. <laughs> how, how I can uh, do it at the that uh, into your day. least thirty um, minutes, mate.
0: You got twenty-three hour hours to go. Okay. Thirty minutes of your day, you right. know. So don't come up with that excuse.
1: <laughs> all right. No excuses. Hey, now I'm back in Melbourne,
0: away. though we'll be able to we'll be able to catch up and do a couple of sessions together.
1: Yeah, hey, we might we'll even... to, I want,
0: I want to get straight back into it myself.
1: Yeah, great. Very good. And did you find that all of the exercise stuff that reaction performance had given you, helped you in the physical and mental uh, aspects of what you needed to do at Bathurst on the weekend?
0: Look, I honestly think if I hadn't have done all the work that I'd done previously uh, leading into the event, um, I would have really struggled in the car. Um, it was already hard enough not having any miles under my belt, but you know, I spent a, quite a bit of time with Sladey over the weekend. He's, he's very fit as well. And he was commenting, you know, how difficult it's been jumping in the co-driver role, not being comfortable in the car, not having any miles. You know, you're probably a bit tense. You don't want to crash someone else's car. Um, And it all sort of contributes to uh, wearing you down over the weekend. And, you know, he was even quite hot and bothered during the race. And I I felt a little bit hot and bothered during the race, but not too bad. So I reckon that the work that I did previously really helped me in good stead um, for for, for the stints that I had in the race
1: for sure. Yeah, we saw Slady jump out of the car with uh, some cramps in his foot and he was explaining Mm. about how the seating position wasn't exactly Mm. ideal, having to overstretch and then compensating, uh, you know, with the movement that he was making in in the car. It wasn't perfectly natural for him. How did he pull up after?
0: Uh, I left too early to actually uh, speak to him this morning, but um, that was one thing I was going to say. Like, it, it's an, it's one thing to be sort of working really hard while you're doing your stint, um, but it's sort of how you recover for the next day. And that was what I was really happy with. Like, even if I was a little bit tired in the car or a bit hot and bothered, the next day I was brand new again. So that's what the you know, continuous amount of training does and teaches the body to recover better. And just the strategies that we put in place over the weekend, I was sort of battling a little bit of a funny stomach um, during the weekend and we had to adjust a few things uh, on the run, but you know, with Lee there, he was able to manage that for me really well over the phone. And I think, you know, if you don't have some of that guidance, you can often sort of get misled a little bit and potentially just be so fixated on this is my plan, this is what I've got to do, and uh, you know, maybe uh, continue having those cramps and bits and pieces and not get on top of it. So I found that really beneficial. And yeah, big thank you to Lee for all the work that he's put in getting me ready for. It was a big day, you know, there's no doubt about it. And I've come out of it feeling, you know, Mickey Mouse.
1: Very, very good. Tony Dalberto, congratulations on fourth place at the great race. I know it's uh, certainly three positions worse than what you really want and what you guys really go there for. But, um, you know, uh, any fourth place at that race is a, uh, a, a well-deserved one. And, um, yeah, maybe make up, makes up for some of the little demons from 2019. <laughs> but uh a little bit a little I- bit not quite not quite <laughs> uh, but uh yeah look you, you've definitely got a few more of those in you so um looking forward to seeing your face again it's been a uh, it's been a little while and uh we'll get into another episode of the parked up podcast we're powered by race fields another great race has been run and won shane van Gisbergen and Garth Tander are the victors for 2020. And for many of the uh, crews around town, it's going to be great for everyone to get back into their homes and uh, get back to some sort of real world, four months, five months until the next V8 Supercars race. Hopefully some TCR racing uh, before then uh, and lots of news. So uh, stick to the Parked Up podcast for some latest news and uh, and other stuff that we inevitably talk about
0: (laughs) see you later